poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And as always, it's Tuesday, which means it is, number one, a tactical day. Number two, a day that I am joined by my co-host, Jonathan Chai. John, how you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. We have some technical issues, to tech, technical Tuesday today, so... Um, we might need to try to get through this intro as quickly as possible before the whole studio collapses. Yeah, no, no messing around. Um, it's not the studio, you know. It's it's the infrastructure of the internet. I think I we're we're safe to fully blame Bezos on this. Uh, I don't know how it's his fault, but this is this is all Bezos is doing. I think. Do we have a, a theme for today's today's show? Yeah. So the theme for today is going to be. Um, getting max value out of position. Uh, both of these hands are going to be played at 1K ML. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think both hands, I, I'm in the blind. So let's start here with the queen three of spades in the small blind. Nice. Very lucky. You, two, two hands. The two hands of, of this past month were you max value and you're I tried in the to. blinds the, on both. We don't know that if I... Oh, oh I sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you attempted to. Um, yeah. All right. So we got this double theme going which is very fortuitous. And we'll start out by uh, breaking down the action here. Looks like John is in the small blind. Uh, there's a poster in the cutoff who checks their option. The button folds and John raises to five big blinds from the small blind with the queen tray of spades. Anything to kind of say here regarding uh choice the iso yeah i think um this hand is probably too weak to iso versus a reg or a, a you know a stronger player but um i'm this is the cutoff's first hand dealt in at this table um and i'm just kind of reading into the post uh, a lot already i'm going to assume that this player in the cutoff is likely a weaker reg at best maybe even more likely just to be like a flat up fish generally good regs or most regs don't post they just wait for the big blind so um yeah i'm already kind of reading into this one forced action um a bunch it's an unforced action actually right it's they oh yeah okay <laughs> um the unforced action of posting in the cutoff uh so and plus i think too when villains post in the cutoff they they kind of look for Pretty much any excuse possible to raise when low jack and high jack fold. So I think the check is typically meaningful um, for the cutoff because uh, just in my experience, whenever you, you see a poster and they get anything remotely playable, they tend to raise raise with it coming in. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, suited queen definitely going to make it in there for for both of us. It sounds like 
Yeah, at least that's how I feel in like live po- live poker. Whenever I post post the cutoff, you know, I'm like, hmm, ace, deuce off. Yeah, yeah, I can I can raise this <laughs> if everybody folds to me. It's just it's impossible to play if you check or unless like, unless you're checking range or something like that. But like, mm. it's just yeah, I agree that you either should should post or maybe raise range or something because checking yeah. is just so hard. A- a- esoteric. Uh, strat the checking range from cutoff posting in live <laughs> poker. That's so the flop is king seven six with a six of spades. As a reminder, John has the queen tray of spades and is somehow going to be attempting the max value um, in this scenario. So 110 in the pot. Both John and villain have 95 big blinds. I presume you're. I don't even know what you're going to do here. Um, I, I think like betting, betting probably makes sense. Then it's going to be like size selection. I, I think checking could also make sense too. Uh, you, you just, you, you have some options here with, with the backdoor flush draw and this kind of interesting scenario of cutoff poster. who backdoor decides. Uh, oh yeah, you, you do the, the three. Um, you have the uh, sort of a weird situation for the, the guy that like posts but then all and checks their option and then also has a hand that can call four extra big blinds, but not raise first in it is uh yeah, I would say just based on that alone, we can pretty safely conclude that the cutoff is almost certainly a non stripe white belt. Um so you start with check. I think it's reasonable. You know, again, you got a lot of options on the table. Villain bets half pot. And I'm guessing that this is not where the story ends with your queen high. No. Um, so I'm just going to be like checking most of my range out of position as a pre-flop raiser in, in single raise pots. That's that's generally just going to be my go-to strat uh, across the board. So nothing nothing different here with um, even with like the double back doors. Uh, facing half pot from the presumed fish. Um, I think I thought that this hand would make sense as like one of my probably one of my lightest check raises. Um, like we said, we have like two two backdoor draws with the backdoor flush draw and the really, really optimistic backdoor straight draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be good enough. One of the nice things that happens here if we do check raise our queen three is that in the event that the cutoff is bluffing, we just get to win the pot here when the cutoff has nothing and is just taking a stab at the pot. Um, Which if he is- does call, we have some potential to realize some extra equity when we hopefully turn a spade or a four or five or make a pair. Yeah. And to be realistically speaking, it's it's probably pretty easy for the cutoff to bet too often here. Um, after they, you know, check call pre-flop, um, and then they're checked two on the flop, like half pot size, not especially threatening. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense to start by check raising here. So you go ahead and check raise. Um, there's 165 in the pot. You check raise to 163. And the opponent, this pesky poster. Snap calls. <laughs> snap calls. <laughs> so this plan is going exactly the way that you drew it up. Oh, and look, you, you turned a three. So king six, seven. You have queen three. Turn is a three. So now, you know, now you can just go ahead and like check call down mode, right? You got your, your fourth pair. And uh, 
Four six. Check called out. I was thinking about value betting the turn. Oh, I, I see. I see. Four thirty six in the pot. Villain's got seven uh, seven eighty seven. So SBR is around two. Um, now, once you turn a pair, your plan for the rest of this hand is well, at least for this street, is is to check and hope to God they don't just like bet pot. Yeah. When they snap called the flop check raise, I was scared slash very ready to be done with the hand turning a pair of threes didn't didn't do much to change that plan so i'm gonna check and wow the cutoff checks back what a what a run out ma so you get the the one run out that we didn't cover on the flop the three three ball um so now you have trip trays and what is almost certainly going to be a very unhappy villain um, when they see what hand you have, I guess that you have a few different directions that you could go. I think, you know, checking is one of the options considering like villain snap call could be, you know, top pair, like we kickerish, something like that, but it could also be like, you know, nine, 10, eight, nine, um, maybe like eight, five, the busted, busted straight draws on the flop that villain could potentially bet with. Um, so yeah, which direction? did you go for so we have seven seven eighty seven in our stack 436 in the pot so a little bit over 1.5x um spr on the river i was hoping that the snap call on the uh flop would just be a ton of king x um i was a little worried that like once that king x snap calls a flop and then checks back turn that they're likely just doing a lot of checking back on the river with like their King X bluff catchers. Sure. Um, maybe like another minor consideration is that their best King X probably raises preflop after they post, right? A hand like ace king or king queen, um, you know, probably just makes it three big blinds or two and a half big blinds or something like that. So they don't even have those like super strong top pairs to, to value bet on the river once they, once they post and then check. Um, and so, yeah, I think like my, my plan here was to just jam and target a king. Um, hope that there's just enough enough of them to to make like some sort of crying call on the on the river and and you know hopefully this guy is fishy enough to maybe do it with like a king five suited or something like that. Maybe like by that I mean like a king with a kicker that doesn't even play. Um, so yeah, that that's what I was hoping for. I, I guess like the the one thing that like I um more for like educational purposes that like I I wanted to add for both of these hands is that I think an older version of me probably would have bet a smaller size on the river wouldn't have gone for like the jam thinking like oh look I'm targeting like weak king x um let me just like try to get called by king five and, and bet like half pot on the river or something like that maybe like mm -hmm. a third even um so that's like kind of I don't know I think that's like a, a value trap that I used to fall into um and now I think I'm I'm very much more on the side of like hey just 1.5x this 1.5x spot and you know let them figure out what to call with yeah i agree and you know when when in kind of deciding whether or not you want to check or bet right check is going to target their busted straight draws that they can bluff with and betting is going to target their top pair weak kicker um one big one big data point that kind of sways me towards targeting the king x in general is that when you check and target their bluffs, right? When you're inducing, a lot of times versus um, you know this profile of opponent, the the white belt, you're 
going to face like a half pot river size that they end up not calling a jam anyway, because like they're just kind of betting they're like, you know, eight nines or nine tens or eight five type hands. So you, by checking, you target their busted draws, but you only get like a 200, you know, $220 bet in general here, like 22 big blinds. But when you jam yourself, you're placing a, you know, 79 big blind bet um, and targeting their top pair weak kicker. And it's pretty easy to see that like by placing this really big bet, if it gets called at, you know, even a much lower frequency than they would bluff that it's going to outperform um, induction. Right. And, you know, when you check, like you said, a lot of the hands it would value cut themselves like ace, king, king, queen, those type of hands just don't exist in villains range because they raise with them preflop instead of checking. So real, realistically speaking, like they've got a lot of like top pair, we kicker type hands, like King five, King four, King eight, King nine, King 10 off even, um, that they can potentially call with, but probably won't bet with. And it's not even a lock that like they bet with eight, nine either. When you check, right. They, they could also just like snap check behind like their busted straight draws. They didn't bet the turn, which, you know, is kind of a, an indication that like, them betting on the river with their busted straight draws is probably less likely. So with the combination of like their lower equity hands betting at a lowish frequency, you not getting as big of a bet um, than if you would have value bet yourself. Uh, I think that just leads me to, yeah, just agreeing with you completely that over bet is going to be the path to go in this, you know, in this exact hand. And so, well done. We'll see. Before you show the action, before you show the action. Sure. Have the biggest argument for overbetting these spots and just overbetting your value in general, I think is going to be revealed once you show the action and, and the showdown. So I do 1.5x. I didn't want to spoil it um, and get called. And we said that we're targeting like top hair we kicker and yep. like, that kind of like that's just what we expected to be like the bluff catching region. But one thing that I found is that when you overbet these spots, I regularly underestimate how far down people are willing to go with their bluff catchers. And like this is just a hand that I never would have expected. But if this hand calls an overbet, not overbetting is just like a three is just such a you Punt. know, it's such a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is actually like you know, all the stuff that I said a couple minutes ago definitely holds true, but this is probably reason number one for me now. Um, why I size up on the river is that people just bluff catch with hands that I just would never imagine them bluff catching. And yeah, that's, that's a mistake that I was making a lot a couple Very months nice. ago. Very nice. Let's see if you can go two for two here on Tactical Tuesday. We'll see if, yeah, this next hand holds true and we have not another incident. Going at around. A6 offsuit, by the way. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Sorry, sorry, podcast listener. The flop is king, six, seven. Dylan had a six off and John went three, three for the brutal ultimate bad beat story that they inevitably told everybody that they know. So stick this around. Posted, played one hand and then left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the, uh, grandpa Simpson meme where he walks into the, walks into the bar, sees Bart in the bar and like immediately spins around and leaves the bar. That was this guy's, this guy's experience. All right. Stick around. Let's see if uh, John can one and done uh, another poor, poor victim. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. 
too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Reflop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I loved the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about boot camp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Boot Camp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right. Welcome back from the break. Going to see if John can hurt some more feelings here on today's episode of Tactical Tuesday. Uh, the John's hand is a little bit obscured by the overlay, but he does have two kings. And John, you want to break down the action here in this max value themed episode of Tactical Tuesday? Yeah, 
so no fish at this table just uh i think it's a all reg lineup um the cutoff opens to 25 dollars we're 100 big blinds effective uh have kings in the small blind easy three bet to 110 the big blind folds cutoff calls and we're off to a jack jack nine rainbow flop um man i've like even within tactical tuesday like the 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 length of time we've been doing tackle Tuesday, I've gone so many different ways with C bet strategies through a pot out of position PFR. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm kind of doing something different these days with Kings, and I decided to check here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a spot where previously I probably would have just started out by betting a third, uh, doing a lot of checking on the turn, and then maybe jamming the river or something like that. Um, I decided to start out with check here. One of the things um, that I'm thinking about now is that, like, it's once I start out with bet, I feel like it it's it's a little thin to um, stack like worse hands. Like, it starts feeling thin when I start like going bet 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 with with kings. Um, sure. I'm not sure if like a nine is going to call it off or like pocket tens. It just feels like I'm going to run into jack x a lot. So it does feel like I should start out by checking one street. Um, or I should at least have a plan to check one street before the river. Uh, I guess, what do you think about that plan? Because like, I think initially on the surface, this looks like a pretty easy bet, bet, bet spot, three bet pot out of position, 100 big wides effective, we flop an over pair, you know, just go for it. Um, I'm not sure about bet, bet jam, like on Jack, Jack nine, but you, like, I'm pretty much in agreement with you that, you know, you're going to find one street to check, whether it be like the flop or the turn, um, I guess, it's just really a matter of like what street do you want to choose um, in this given situation against this given opponent. You know, I guess there there are there is some variance as it relates to like you know these paired boards and what is the side card and what what card is paired and how does that interact with villains preflop range and like you know if it's like deuce deuce x then that's going to be like just played way differently than you know some sort of like paired Broadway or paired ten paired nine type flop. So jacked out nine is, you know, essentially a board where um, the jacks that villain has and then the the nines full that villain, villains have um, have obviously like just infinite equity as do your jack X and your pocket nines. Um, so yeah, like I, I think that in general, you're probably going to be playing a little bit more passively on uh, this like paired Broadway board, start out with a small bet or start out with a check and then do a lot of turn checking and then sort of evaluating based on, you know, villain's response as well as the run out on the following streets. So yeah, like I'm, I'm on board. I think you could better check this flop and then, you know, better check the turn based on what you do on the flop. So if the flop, if you bet the flop, check the turn, if you check the flop and the flop checks through, then, you know, you're probably going like bet, bet Um, in that case. And, you know, if villain stabs a third, then you're probably going to be, kind of stuck and frozen on the flop, you're in a call, check, get another data point, what turn card is, what villain's action is, then kind of play the rest of the hand accordingly, which you know could go just a number of directions based on the turn card and, and villain's actions. So yeah, like I'm I'm long way of saying uh, I'm on board with you know your decision to check here and would also be on board with a decision to to kind of bet small and then check turn. Um so yeah, so I picked the flop. I just wanted to keep cutoffs range as wide as possible. I thought that you know if I start by betting a third on the flop, 
you know, or if I start out by checking the flop, let's just say, then like I might be able to, um, you know, get a bet out of five, four of hearts or sure. That's true too. Seven yeah. of, you know, yeah, a seven right. of hearts or something like some hand that would just like not even not be very unlikely to even call a third on the flop. So I decided the street that I want to check was the flop to hopefully get them to stab some of those hands or well, they, they can stab. They could also like if they have six seven of hearts. They could just turn up, turn a six, right? Like yeah, they yeah. turn a six or turn turn a six or a seven, and then, you know, then they could find themselves in some like pretty sticky downstream situations sure. if they do happen to turn a pair. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, they bet twenty percent here on the flop. Don't really think much of you know their sizing selection or decision to bet. I think it's kind of whatever, and we'll learn more kind of about the the makeup of their hand. I think based on what they do on the turn and what the turn is so you opt to check call so pots 230 villain bets 56 um into 230 jack jack nine john has kings turn is the tray of hearts so still an overpair effective you know obviously a blank um 343 in the pot villain has eight about 850 behind Turn goes check check, which has to be music to your ears. Considering huge deal, huge deal. Yeah, yeah. That that turn check is like really indicative um, of villain not having a jack or not having like nines full. Since <clears throat> on the flop, we're like proceeding cautiously. Once the turn goes check check, caution just out the window. Caution, caution went out the window. Um, now because of the removal of this check from their value range, now you you get to. Yeah, play rivers pretty, pretty nice. Um, assuming the river is not a, like, I guess a nine would kind of be disastrous. What about not an really, ace? An ace, an ace, not great. I think an ace, not great, simply because I, I guess they maintain some some aces in their range when they bet like twenty percent on the flop, and then also like when you check call the flop, I, I think a large portion of your range will be ace X, and, and that's yeah. gonna, you know, it's it's gonna promote the villain. Probably freeze the action, and you're just going to end up, you know, playing a three hundred and forty-three dollar pot on an ace. Yeah. Um, I think a ten, a ten or an eight are also kind of interesting, interesting river cards. Um, a queen, you get a queen on the river, and that's might be the best card in the deck for you, honestly. Besides a king, of course. I think a king is probably the best card in the deck, but a queen is great. I don't because, even know if I want a king. I, I think I'd rather have a queen than a king. Yeah, that's true. Like the absolute strength of your hand improves with a king, but the queen just so good for like villains, king, queens, villains, queen, tens that can river top pair. Uh, maybe even like ace queen if they decided to like bet 20 and then check down with like ace queen high, which I think is, is also a reasonable path for villain. So like the queen just promotes a lot of hands in their range. And you block King 10, which is really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, just a card that gives them a lot of bluff catchers and doesn't really promote a whole lot of hands in their range. Can we just go back to the turn one second before sure. we, we even hit the queen? Um, so one of the things that you said on the turn is like the turn check check just automatically removes Jack X, pocket nines, and pocket threes from their, from their range. It's just like we just would expect those hands to bet the turn at absolute frequency. What sort of hands... Do you think he has in his range once he checks back the turn? Does that like limit the types of hands that you think that he has? Does that like sway you to think like he has some sort of showdown? Like, would you? I would expect the hand like Queen Ten and King Ten and King Queen and stuff like that to bet the turn pretty frequently. So, like, 
I don't know. I don't think they're going to bet like they might bet pretty frequently, but I don't think it's going to be absolute. And I think like this turn tray of hearts after you check all the flop is not really a great card for any of those hands to, to just keep blasting on. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to check back a lot of like showdown driven hands and a lot of hands, a lot of nine X, like a lot of small pocket pairs too, right? Like fours, five, six, sevens, eights. I, I think those hands can just like bet small on the flop, check back turn, and then just hope that they, they make it to showdown like super cheap. Yeah. Um, so all, all of those hands would be part of the range. Like just a lot of bluff catchers, a lot of pairs, uh, like pocket pairs and then some nine X and some, some like ACE high type hands too. Um, would it be like, wouldn't it be crazy to see some kind of like backdoor flush draw that, that bet the flop um, as well. So here on the river, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that since this is, uh, you know, maximizing value is the theme that with 343 in the pot, Dylan has 848, which is like two and a half X, something like that. Uh, yeah, close to that, like 2.4x. Uh, guessing that there's no size, no size for Jonathan other than all you can eat, baby. Yeah, I think just like again, one more time to like tie this back in with the the value mistake that like my older self would have made. I think I would have read a little bit too much into the turn check back and thought that a lot of their range is 9x. And I think I would have been scared of jamming the spot, thinking that like 9x might not call a two and a half x jam, and so. Maybe I pick a different size where I think like 9x will call. Like I used to do like really, I used to like go on the far, the opposite end of the spectrum and probably just bet like a third here, targeting like 9x and stuff like that, like back sure. in the day. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'm just going to 2.5x it here with my pocket kings and hope to get bluff caught. Um, I think if you asked me about this like a few months ago, I'd have been like, I guess I'm just targeting king, queen, and queen 10 and like hoping they, they call with top pair on the river. Um, it, you know, if you, it's nice, nice for me to experience these like full, full circle moments of John back in the day on Tactical Tuesday, and um, I would say things like, "Yeah, you just like call and hope for the best," you know. And John's like, "Oh, can we can we say that? Like, is that is that like are we allowed to say something like it feels like such lazy analysis?" And I'm like, "Dude, like a lot mo- mo- a lot of times in poker, you you just call and and hope for the best. Like this is something that just happens like in every player session." um you jam and hope for the best like it's just it's a thing that just happens like constantly when you're playing cards and and here we are today where yeah just jam and you know hope hope that they find a way to call with with something that that's good right so just jam and hope for the best and yeah maybe one day we'll we'll adopt that as our tagline just you know do something at the poker table and then hope for the best tactical tuesday trademarked um so you did something hoping for the best and villain called, which still doesn't necessarily mean that it's for the best, but we're, we're feeling pretty hopeful. Um, final board was queen, jack, jack, nine, three, John had Kings and villain finds another hero call with seven of heart, seven of diamonds. So they go down deep to fourth pair, put on their hero pajamas and end up, naked in the cold and without much money. Um, Another hand that I wouldn't have expected to call two and a half X on the river. Had you asked me before jamming? Yeah. Well, people like calling, you know, sometimes 
people people gotta gotta find the hands to call with and two sevens here I don't know exactly the properties that make two sevens a good call, but it's good for your bankroll. So I guess that's the thing that matters more than anything else um, in this hand analysis. So yeah, good, good theme. Nice little tricky hidden theme of villains calling your, your value jam with unexpected hands um, that you snuck in there. You, you couldn't, I guess, reveal the punchline. Yeah, I can't say that. Started, right. Yeah. Well, good for you. Nice hands. Zero days without an incident. You did it. Uh, the astute Tactical Tuesday listener will notice that we only have two two hands this week. Uh, I'm <laughs> had to dial dial it back for for accuracy's sake. Um, hard to hard to go three for three or four for four, but two for two, you crushed it. Um, and I guess that's that's going to be the end of this week's Tactical Tuesday. And uh, before we go. Just wanted to remind the listener that Live Cash Preflop Bootcamp still exists. It's still a course in the CPG universe. Um, and if you play any significant or even really insignificant amount of live poker, and when you're making preflop decisions, you're a little bit on the fence. You don't know exactly which way to go. Uh, recognize that villains are making pretty bad fundamental strategic mistakes, but don't have real solid clarity, visibility on what those mistakes are, I would highly encourage you to check out Live Cash Preflop Bootcamp. And with that said, that's all I got for today's episode of Tactical Tuesday. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.